Bright Suns, you're now listening to the Star Wars Friends Podcast on the No One Is Listening Podcast Network. Punch it, Chewie! What have we here? Hello there. Morning, Senator. Greetings, lights. We are the ones who guard the power. We are the middle. The beginning. Who talks first? You talk first. I talk first. You're a feisty little one, but you'll soon learn some respect. So, this is where the fun begins. <laughs> what are you talking about? This is madness. What the Lisa say? Join the conversation with the Star Wars friends on social media at SW Friends Show. That's at SW Friends Show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Email the Star Wars friends at show at starwarsfriends.com if you have a comment or question you want us to read live on the show. Now, here are your hosts, the Star Wars Friends! Hey, what's happening, Star Wars Friends? You are listening to the Star Wars Friends Show, part of the No One Is Listening Podcast Network. I am your host, Justin Oldham, uh, on this fine early December evening. And joining me today on tonight's show is... This is Josh, and I would just like to welcome everyone to the Boba Fett fan club. All of you people <laughs> like Kyle and... Lauren Romo from the Galactic Pod and Maggie, who were naysayers before, uh, welcome to the fold. And I'd also like to say that, like I said, Olmec is a lying sack of crap. <laughs> uh, this is Kyle, and if you've been a listener of this show, you're well aware that Boba Fett's always been my favorite character, and I am <laughs> happy to finally see him shine this week on the episode of the hit television show the mandalorian on disney plus some stinky poo in the studio (laughs) this evening because i smell i smell it kyle i smell it what there's Uh, no screenshots i just want to point out uh, that kyle uh, skipped both live shows that were reactions to episodes boba fett was on so i noticed that can't take notice that can't take the heat i'm serving up (laughs) <laughs> but but Josh, you're totally right. There are a ton, a ton of new Boba Fett lovers out there in the world today based off the Mandalorian, uh, latest Mandalorian episode. Uh, and it was, it was I to me, by far one of the best ones so far. I mean, totally. it, it, it just keeps topping every week. It gets better and better. So um, I will say, I don't want to put the, uh, I mean, spoiler alert. I hope everybody's seen the episode, but... When they shot and blew up the Razor Crest, that was the most shocked, probably aside from the reveal of Baby Yoda, that was the most shocking moment that this show has provided to me. Maybe Maybe not the most emotional or the best, but I was the most surprised. I was like, I gasped. I was literally stunned that that happened. So yeah, uh, I agree. They keep stepping stepping it up and finding a way to impress us. That uh, that Dave Filoni guy, he kind of knows what he's yeah, doing. Yeah, good on him. Long time listener. Thanks. <laughs> that Dave Filoni guy might know what he's doing. <laughs> yeah. 
Thanks for hearing our notes. Well, I think we need to give credit to John too, just just to be clear. Like, I feel like it's funny because Dave is like this established. Excuse me, John. Come again? Who is this John person? John John Favreau. John who? We're we're first name basis. (laughs) Oh, oh, yeah. Um, I've been friends with him since Swingers. So. Um, Oh yeah, I you know he he and I go all the way back to Maid. That's crazy. Um, it's funny because Star Wars fans are very quick to like lump all the praise onto Dave. And I think obviously Dave, yeah. but I mean, um, John Favreau is a big reason why this is all happening. And I think that he, he wants to like pull all these EU things out and give us our Star Wars yeah. wish list. So I'm, you yeah. know, big, big kudos and thanks to both of them for this amazing show that just keeps getting better and better. For sure. Uh, you know, since since Celebration Chicago, or as I like to call it, the first appearance of the Star Wars Friends show, uh, there, I think it was like very obvious to me that Favreau's passionate about this Definitely. project. You know, to hear him talk about it, to hear even the other the other people within Lucasfilm and Disney talk about how he brought it to them and and how he presented it, I. And, and you know his name's written all over it too. You, there's tons of things that I think are very obvious from him. You you've seen him in Iron Man or his past works and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And he's doing a great job. Swingers. But also Dave Filoni's the best. So like, what do you what are you gonna say about Apparently, that? Apparently, Justin, we're not even gonna let you get out of the intro. But I just I just like <laughs> talking <laughs> no, about the okay. two of them and John's love for it, it. It made me. I had this realization that I already knew, but just in this moment, I was like, oh yeah. We're getting a second season of Gallery too. Yeah, that oh, was yeah. Fun. It's gonna be awesome. So I'm like, yeah, we're, we're gonna get to what a great present. Oh. There was so much revealed in the first Gallery yeah. uh, of what we didn't know about just the shooting and the audio and the characters uh, and how it yeah, kind of technical yes. aspects behind it were really interesting to me. And how, I had no yeah. idea. I, I had no idea they were doing it like that. No, me either. And in one room, it's in a, just like a three, 360 TV screen. It's yeah. incredible. Yeah. And when even, can I get one? And even when can the, I have one? <laughs> and even the throwback to the, you know, the old school model shooting for some of the razor crest yeah. shots was really cool. It's not all CGI. I love a practical effect. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it'll be exciting to see the second uh, season of gallery when that drops. Um, Cause it was fun to watch. It was interesting. And you get, I love seeing my, my favorite part is seeing like the directors all in the one room and they're just kind of laughing and talking yeah, star Wars. Sure. And, and uh, it, it's interesting to see what, you know, some of the newer directors learn from Dave or from, uh, from John and in, in the star Wars world. Like I didn't even know that, but like, they're veritable wealths of knowledge and they taught me all mm. of this stuff. So those, those conversations to me are, are what I love watching the most. I think about that show and the, the technical stuff, the, the volume is just so cool. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I want to get one. Is it up for pre-order yet? It's the next. Put, put it I want to watch an episode. Yeah. I, w- I want to watch an episode <laughs> of the Mandalorian inside my own volume in my house in a recliner. The next has lab is a 3.75 inch volume. <laughs> <laughs> you can, like, you can only put your, your head own, in it, maybe. Shoot your like, own Mando <laughs> scenes in there with some Mando characters. Well, that's a, that's I mean, a heck not. of a diorama, man. Hey, hey, I don't have to worry about them destroying it if I buy it, right? Little mini HasLab, they're not going to blow it up. Yeah, they're the not going to blow that seasons, up. So. That. How many HasLab um, things have they made from Star Wars? Just the two. Just the two? No, and both just of those the two. Things both things been, that blow yeah. up. So Death Star's next? Yeah. Destroyed? Or? 
Oh, that's the thing. It's the kiss of death. It's like being on the cover of the Madden uh, game. <laughs> Don't say that, Kyle. Because if they come out with the if they come out with the ghost next year, oh god, we be, know I'm the ghost be, is going down. The ghost is going down, <laughs> and I'm not gonna be. I'm no, not gonna I don't be okay want okay to so. see that. Maybe it's best that it doesn't. <laughs> Yeah, well, if you are a first-time listener, we welcome you here uh, to yeah, the Star we Wars Friends show. Already, oh, we're that. off the rails already, sorry We're off the rails already, but uh, if you're a first-time listener, well, welcome to the show. Uh, we at the Star Wars Friends uh, love to hear and talk Star Wars uh, with everybody. We don't necessarily care what your opinion is, unless you're a big Beaumont fan, to which we're like, meh, but... Uh, overall, you know, your opinion is valued regardless of what it is, uh, and we are happy to have you. Uh, if you are a longtime listener to the Star Wars Friends, welcome back. Uh, always have, happy to have you in Dex's Diner, uh, enjoying a hot cup of uh, bone broth uh, with each other. So, welcome back. Some calf. Yeah, a little cup of calf, uh, whatever it is. Uh, so, welcome back. We hope you're staying safe uh, and healthy during this COVID time. It's still going on out there. It hasn't gone away yet. Uh, hopefully there's some hope on the horizon with some vaccines coming out, but we'll see. Um, somebody got injected over in England. Let's see how she does. Yeah. There's, I've, I've heard some good things about some and some not so good things about others. So, uh, let's wait and see what happens, but hopefully there's a a glimmer of hope that we can, uh, get back to our normal lives and doing the things that we love doing, like going to celebrations and seeing all of your smiling faces and doing live shows by the pool. and doing live shows by the pool because I miss that. Well, I mean, not live shows by the pool because we haven't done that yet. But I miss people. I love people. I love being out there. I love hanging out with people. Uh, I miss my friends. So let's get over this thing. Let's help I'm each good other with out. People. Wear your I'm masks. Stay healthy. Stay safe. Um, and let's get it done, folks. Um, with that being said, hopefully you had an opportunity to join us on Friday night uh, for our Razor Crest Reacts show live. Uh, Kyle was not able to join us. Shock. Very interesting what? that he was not there. Uh, but we had a very big episode of The Mandalorian to talk about. And Kyle was a no show. It's terrible. <laughs> make it, it's terrible. I didn't know Justin was going to pile on. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Um, we, Is it? <laughs> we we get things that happen in our lives, so sometimes people can't make it. It's okay. But that's why he's here today. We're going to talk some Boba Fett. We're going to talk Let's some Season in. 2, Episode 6, Chapter 14 of The Mandalorian. But before we get into all that, we have to count it down. We have to keep it going. We are down to roughly 88 weeks, I think we're at And now. counting. 88, 88 weeks 88 and weeks. counting until so, the next celebration star wars celebration anaheim i'm assuming anaheim right it is anaheim yeah yeah i don't think they're moving the location right so uh 88 weeks and counting uh if you haven't uh if you don't know star wars celebration store is open it's open to everybody now they did the early release to the ticket holders who had tickets for star wars celebration and then they opened it up to the public the orders i actually put an order in the day that the store opened up I ordered three items. I got them already. They're already here. It was quick. I, I ordered a patch and two two t-shirts, which was relatively light for me. But, um, you know, I, I just didn't see myself going, eh, I really want to throw a ton at the 2020 merch for something that didn't happen. So uh, the artwork was really cool, though. The badge artwork uh, that was part of it uh, was really, really cool. So I ordered an Ahsoka, excuse me, an Ahsoka shirt and a Mando shirt. Mainly because most of my Star Wars shirts are black. I don't know about you guys, but like all my Star Wars shirts somehow seem to be black. So I got a blue one and a brown one. 
not much of a stray from say, the color variation, but uh, but it is a change from black to something else. So hopefully you guys get your stuff in pretty quickly. I think we figured uh, Josh's is about three days behind yep. mine based off the U.S. Postal Service. Without fail. So if hopefully he gets his soon. And I order it. It's you. It's coming, I, I coming see right it behind me. Uh, three, four days before I get it. So nice, nice. Uh, speaking of merch, we had Mando Monday number seven. I think it's yeah seven that rolled out today because yep. they did one before the season started, and then we've had six for the episodes that coincide that come out with for the Mandalorian. Um, today's I thought, and I don't know what you guys thought about this. I thought it was a little bit uneventful. Yep, agreed. We had. <laughs> We had I'm some infatuated damage. with that Nerf gun, but otherwise... Are, are you getting the Nerf meh. gun? No, no, no. I'm just like intrigued by uh, it. The okay. idea of it is very cool to me. I don't plan. I don't have any Nerf guns, and I'm not going to hang a Nerf rifle on my wall, so it's not for me. But yeah. it is like, in theory, it is cool. Yeah, it, it, and what he's talking about is the Nerf, uh, the Mandalorian Ambin Phase Pulse Blaster. <laughs> yeah, I gave zero details about that at all. Sorry. <laughs> um, the the Ambin Phase Pulse Blaster Rifle by Nerf came out today. It is a long gun. It looks it looks pretty legit. So, um, you know, it's, yeah, like you could probably take somebody out from across the room at least with that thing if that scope uh, yeah. is even a little useful. Yeah. It, it was pretty cool. Uh, definitely a thing for your kids uh, if they're into Nerf to, to try to pick up and in, into Mandalorian. Uh, there was a couple Pricing other things that came out. Uh, we had the Moff Gideon uh, premium format statue was dropped by Sideshow. So if you go to Sideshow.com, you can see. She's the, beaut. Yeah, it's very nice. I, I think the face is still a little off for my liking. Okay. But it's a cool statue. He's got the dark saber out there. Um, you know, he's standing on the broken, the top of a broken TIE fighter. It's, it's a very cool statue. It goes along with the other two premium format statues that they've already released for the Mandalorian and Cara Dune. So there's a third one to add your, to your collection. So if you've got $1,800. And the Incinerator Trooper too, right? <clears throat> well, the Incinerator Trooper was uh, a six scale uh, Hot Toys, not the premium format statue. Uh, I thought I saw... Maybe those just got uh, advertised in the same email then. It could be. I saw yes. the, yeah, because I got the Incinerator Trooper and the um, Moff Gideon together, yes. but I guess they're two different lines. Correct. Hmm. The premium okay. format statues are not posable. A lot of times they offer up a they're switch a out piece. They're bigger though too, right? Yes, they're a little bit bigger. Uh, they're usually made, I think it's polyresin. Uh, they're sizable. I mean, they're, they're gorgeous. Yeah, too. They're, yeah very they're very nice. nice. The detail is great. They're also probably close to twice the amount in price. Uh, you know, the Moff Gideon one, I think, is retailing for around five fifty something. Uh, the Mandalorian one, probably pretty close to the same. So, like I said, if you've got about $1,800 to drop on premium format statues, then those are, are the item for you. Uh, for those, I know us, this is not a Marvel show, but there's a Planet Hulk, one of those that is just so awesome. Where he's got the armor yes. on and he's like squashing a squid thing, and it's giant. It's very cool, very very cool. Uh, if you don't want to drop, and I I've, I know Kyle and I have talked about this a little bit off air, but if you you don't want to spend that kind of money, but you want a really nice statue, Iron Studios does some really really good work. Uh, as well and i think they're 10th scale sizes uh, they do a lot of marvel stuff they've done some mm -hmm. dc stuff their statues are, are very very nice usually the head sculpts are on point 
Um, the detail on them is, is just incredible a lot of times. Uh, so if you want to save a little bit in the money and you still want to go the statue route, look at, look at the iron studio stuff. Um, but the premium format figures are, are amazing. Yeah, these are looking like they're in the 150 to 250 yes. range for most of these. Ten- oh, there's a there's a tenth scale Sentinel that's like mm-hmm. $1,700, but a Sentinel is very, very big, if you didn't yes. know that. So that's, that's, that thing's probably huge. And I think that's and part of the like, three-piece thing, right? There's a middle section. It's got like two. five other figures yeah. attached to it as well that are actual X-Men. So that thing's pretty big. But yeah. these other ones are, yeah, like you said, a lot more affordable. Yeah. Um, and if you don't want to go the one tenth route, then there are definitely some more affordable statues for you. Um, Boba, there was uh, Advanced Graphics. Advanced Graphics makes standees. I mean, we're, I'm looking at one right now. You guys can't see it, but I'm looking at a beautiful standee of Bo Katan behind Josh. They just put out a new one right, for Boba Fett in his uh, Tuscan Raider gear. <laughs> Uh, they put a Boba Fett out in his, you know, his banged up armor and Tuscan Ranger gear, and then they put a new one out of Fennec Shand. So, those, Josh, what do those run on average? Like thirty nine for the standees. Okay, like forty correct. bucks. Yeah. yeah, not bad. So you and those are life size. Yes, and they they ship mm-hmm. very quickly, and um, they I don't think I think shipping might have been free too. Nice. They've got tons of stuff on here too. You can get a, you can get a bear, a full size bear. You can get uh, Chewie and Han <laughs> together. Fortieth anniversary. That's pretty Ooh. cool. That's still only forty bucks. Look at that. Yeah. So there's we've got something in the price point for everybody. Two D, three D. You know, under a hundred bucks, over a hundred bucks. You name it, we can probably find it. If you've got questions about them, please feel free to reach out to me. I've got a lot of hot toys, um, sideshow pieces. Um, I just kind of started getting into some of the statue pieces. Uh, that are very cool. Gentle Giant is another one that they're fairly yeah, they reasonable. Stuff. Yeah, they've got uh, busts of of characters. They have full statues of characters. So uh, if you have questions, what's the one on that it, starts with a K? The which one? That starts they with do it? statues too. It's like a. It's a. I think a Japanese name. Oh, Kotobukaya. There you go. Yep, Kotobukaya does. Um, I think they do both statues and figure uh posable figures they do they do both yeah their statues look very similar to like the gentle giant packaging to me but uh yeah they do both but also very very reasonable in price um i think they're pretty comparable maybe a little bit less than the iron studios gentle giant stuff so um but if you've got questions on any of them you know reach out let us know i'm happy to answer questions on stuff if you guys have it um I've got a pretty big collection. Someday I'll get to show it to you. I got to get my room up and running first like Chris's because his is looking good, but um, we'll get there someday. Hi, this is Kevin Kiner, composer for Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels. I'm happy to be a Star Wars friend. This is Darth Vader, Dark Lord of the Sith, and you are listening to the Star Wars Friends Show. Do not underestimate the power of this podcast. I don't know that there was a lot of other news that dropped this week. There were some very interesting articles uh, floating around uh, this week on some of the new characters that have been in Mandalorian, Ahsoka being one of them, Rosario Dawson. Uh, there was another article that was actually I just read today on uh, Boba Fett that um, 
very interesting takes, I think. Uh, Boba Fett's return, I think, overall was a resounding success for the fans Mm -hmm. of Boba Fett, for the fans of The Mandalorian. The article was very interesting because it kind of said, uh, from a Star Wars standpoint, they played it safe with Boba Fett. Uh, They didn't want to go the route of evil bounty hunter. They portrayed him as a guy that we've all seen before in this show named the Mandalorian and some of these other characters, Cara Dune grief where he has a code of a typical star Wars trope that I'm just, I kind of follow my own code. Like you said, Mm -hmm. he's got his own code, but it's very, a very honorable code. He's, he's willing to do things for money and and go the extra mile if somebody's going to pay him. But ultimately if it crosses the border of, you know, that moral fight and that moral construct, he's not necessarily willing to go there. Now, I did not get that out of this. And and I will have to find, I'll send you guys the article that I read. It was a very interesting take. It may have actually been on io9. Uh, I don't know the author, but, uh, but it was a very interesting take on the character. And I think they felt that there could have been more there from Boba Fett uh, in the character that was released. So... What do you think, Josh? More more in what way? I think they were hoping for like the darker Boba Fett, like for him to show up and be a what we may have thought was rather than the father figure to Din, he was going to be mm. more of the uh, what do I want to say? Uh, not the villain, but uh, antagonist to Din. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think that's what they were kind of hoping for, but he showed up. And when he's like, I want to take my armor back, and then he kind of starts talking about this code, like, well, we're not really going to hurt the child. Like, we're going to have a civil conversation about this. All of a sudden, that went out the window, and he's still willing to help Din and and uphold his end of the bargain. So, I think that was, uh, I'll find the article and send it over to you guys to read, but it was kind of an interesting take. Well, I don't I don't like the, the thought process of, like, we need to, like... Th- playing the character the way he was written in the EU is playing it safe. Like they're just doing what they, they're bringing the character back Mm -hmm. that already existed. Um, And we don't, I mean, the Boba Fett that we have in Canon is for the most part ambiguous. Um, But if he is actually a Mandalorian, it makes sense that he would have that code if, unless he was part of death watch, but he's, but he's not. So, um, and for him to be willing to to be like respectful with one of his own kind, you know, it just it, it, I feel like it all it it f- just because it fits and it like why why do we need to make him a villain? We have a villain. Like we don't we don't need to make mm-hmm. him a villain. Yeah. I think this works yeah. better than than you know anything else they could have done. Agreed, Kyle. Well, on one hand, I I agree that it probably was safe the safest way to do it, but I don't think of that as a bad thing yeah. either. Uh, I think of it like this made the most sense. And the the issue with Boba Fett has always been that he has tons of potential and has never gotten any screen time to do anything. Yeah. And like, that's always been like, d- despite the bit we play on the show, that's like the, the gripe with him. Of course he looks cool. And of course he has the potential to be just as cool as 
Previsla or or Bo Katan or mm-hmm. a- any number of other Mandalorians that are out there being awesome. Um, and they finally gave that to him. So I don't. Yes, it was safe because it was obvious, but I don't think that was a bad thing. But I I also don't think he is establishing himself as like a a good guy who's right. always going to do the right thing. He said, "I serve no one." Yeah, and we know from the original trilogy that he's looking out for himself. And I think that's what he was saying is like, no, I'm, I don't have an allegiance to anybody. I'm making my way in this galaxy. Just a and simple I'm, man trying to make his way in the galaxy. <laughs> that's pretty good. I'm going to make, <laughs> I, that was pretty good. Actually, <laughs> he's going to do whatever he has to do to take care of himself and make some money. And if that means he's going to disintegrate some people, then he's going to disintegrate some people. Yeah. If that means yeah. he's going to make a deal with you to get his armor back and, and team up with you for a little while, then that's what he's going to do. Yeah. But I don't, I don't think that his code is anything like Ahsoka's code no, or no. like, you no. know, it's not his code is I'm looking out for me, Correct. not like I'm a good person. So I, I don't necessarily agree with that take. I, but, I think it's, yep. I think it's, I'll, I'm going to do the right thing as long as it's not, if, as long as it's good for me and mm. more morally ambiguous things, you know, if it, mm-hmm. it's not his, he's not worried about it. Like a perfect example of this is he could have like, returned to Mandalore and like and fought and he didn't like he continued to make his own way and and worry about him and not like go back and be a Mm -hmm. you know uh one of the protectors or or get involved in in the civil war or anything uh you know after yeah his dad died since since we're already digging into Boba Fett here (laughs) there's something I'm really confused about Sure. So, like, I, it stands to reason that he got out of the Sarlacc pit some period of time ago because he's all scarred up but also fully healed. He's seems, like, acclimated to this desert lifestyle. He's got that the gear and, and the dad bod. he's been... He's been living on Tatooine and surviving for like some period of time. And then as soon as the Mandalorian got his armor from Cobb Vanth. He rustles up slave one and a partner and leaves the planet and hunts him down to then get his armor. Even though he's been watching over the guy who has it on the planet, he's already on for like all this time. So like, why did he wait until someone took the armor from Cobb Vanth and then chase him down off world instead of just being like, Hey, that's mine. Give it to me on Tatooine before didn't Jaren ever yeah, showed up? We we kind of talked a little bit about that. Josh, what what are your thoughts on that? I don't think Cobb's had it all that long. Um, and I think, you know, if I think whatever it obviously would have taken time to do whatever he did in repairing uh Fennec Shand and um I don't know. I like I think that's one of those things where it's like, well, why didn't he do that? But in the end, it's like not a knit that is a big enough deal for me to pick, <laughs> I guess. Like, yeah, well, I, I get why you're I, like, it's, why it's not like guy. a deal breaker to me, but I want yeah. them to, I wish they would give just a little bit of like, why was this the time? Because we showed him up on the thing over surveying the scene. He was aware of what was going on. He knew where the armor was because he knew when it got taken. So like, why was this his moment? 
Yeah, it, uh, it's there has to, he has to have some kind of reason other than be, because it's more interesting for us as viewers. It's, I would it's, think. Well, I it's hope. possible though that like so clearly the armor was rolling around on a Jawa sh- on a Jawa sand crawler for uh, some period of time, right? And then Cobb stumbles yeah, on from, it. From rolling fortress. Yeah. Yeah, but we don't know what the time period is between the time that Cobb found it, went back to the village, got rid of the miners. And how long he was really the marshal. I mean, he could have been there six months. It could have been five years, right? Like that he was the marshal of this town. We don't really know that time. But then maybe Boba had just stumbled onto Cobb in the village and like, hey, that guy's wearing my armor. Because he's like walking around or something and was getting ready to go do it. And then in comes the Mandalorian. Then they go fight the crate dragon. And now Boba's like, God damn it. I got to go chase this guy now, right? And then he's chasing after. And now I got to change yeah, the oil and, and slave and, Yeah, one. and that's why yeah. he didn't do anything to Cobb Vanth because he had just found Cobb with the armor. And then. I can so live with that. Yeah. I just, I want a line of dialogue think, that tells me that's what happened. I think unless, <laughs> unless we get like a definitive timeline from anybody, I think that's kind of the case that we can assume that he had been looking for it for some period of time. It could be that he he hadn't found it, and then the battle with the crate the crat dragon crate dragon, uh, the greater crate dragon was the thing that kind of like yes, indeed, perked his ears up. Yep, that's true. Like maybe a like a his armor beacon activated or something like that, and he or went, just hey, there's wait, a somebody huge, using my armor. There's a huge thing, a huge crate dragon coming out of the side of the mountain over there. Like what the is going on? Yeah, you know, like which. Which, by the way, yeah, <laughs> like, what the hell is that noise? Yeah. Um, which, by the way, I thought it was very interesting because you remember at the end of that episode, Din hits the back of the jetpack and clearly breaks it again. And it goes like flying, you know, Cobb goes flying out of the Somebody way. Somebody repaired that. Somebody has fixed it because, you know, when we talk or, about the episode here in a little you know bit, what? Boba Fett uses it right off the bat and it's fine. It, it works perfectly. I just thought about this and I could be wrong, but like. Did he grab Din's jetpack and put it on? Because when they were having the the standoff there, um, that's what that was the deal. Is he had to take the jetpack off, and then he never put it back on. He ran up the hill to Grogu. Um, did did uh, Boba Fett slap Din's functional jetpack on to zoom no. off and go get Slave One? Because remember, when the second ship comes, he sees that opportunity because. The yeah, razor crest is open and he runs the in the ship to, get, it. Yeah. to yeah. get his armor. And the first thing that you see when he lands behind the troop, the first trooper, and as he starts taking him out, you can recognize because the missile is different on the okay. back. And when he goes to launch the missile at the ship, you can see that it's Boba's back uh, jetpack, not Mando's jetpack. Unless he switched it somewhere in battle and I missed it. Well, that wouldn't make any sense. Yeah. Uh, uh, okay, there talk. you go. Somebody must have repaired that guy then. So, Because I was wondering why the heck didn't Din Jerem put slap the jetpack on and zoom up you, to the top of you the... You know what? I got it. I got it. I know what he did. He took a little pack of Beeman's gum, chewed it up, and then just stuck it right on the back of the jetpack. Slapped it on there. Yep. Just Sounds, you know, a little, little bit of Beeman's right. on there and it's good he to go. He got some some mighty putty or something Speaking like that. Speaking of 90s movies references, <laughs> The Rocketeer, people. The Rocketeer. Go see it if you haven't seen it. Go see good it. Movie. Jennifer Conley. Jennifer yeah, Conley's go see in that movie. New in theaters, <laughs> The Rocketeer. <laughs> uh, so let's dive into this a little bit. So we're talking. So we're talking Mandalorian season two, episode six, chapter fourteen, also called 
the tragedy. We haven't even done this part yet. Oh yeah. my gosh. No, we haven't even talked about this yet. <laughs> Our episodes um, need to be the, shorter. <laughs> the, yeah. the episode titled that? The Tragedy. You knew something bad was going to happen right off the bat because n- <laughs> never an episode in, is titled The Tragedy and ends with Yub Nub. So we're, we knew something bad was going to happen from the start. Little did I realize that halfway through the episode, it was going to be the destruction of the Razor Crest, which I still believe is the true tragedy of this it episode. It was the tragedy. Um, it, it was there written no by... no yubnubs in Typhon. No, no yubnubs. It was written by Dave Filoni and John Favreau, directed by Robert Rodriguez, who, from after reading some things, was a fill-in. Uh, John apparently needed a director kind of last minute and asked Robert to come do it. And he said, sure. Uh, what a call to get, man. Yeah. I've never gotten called to sub for something that cool. <laughs> that's the, uh, that's the day you want to be the sub, uh, yeah. started the usual characters, uh, through the episode, but we saw the return of Ming-Na Wen as Fennec Shand and she's awesome. The awesome Tamara Morrison as Boba Fett. Uh, bringing dad bods back, making him sexy again. Uh, I thought you, I thought he looked good armored up. He People did. were talking trash about that. He's, no. He looks like an adult man with like, he's a tank. That's like clearly the role these Mandalorians are playing in, yeah. in the armor. Uh, I thought he, he that, I thought he looked slick. He had that old man strength. All right. Well, he's like, he's got to be at least in his fifties. <laughs> I think he's looking good. So I think Tamara Morrison <laughs> is 60. Um, and I, I, so I told, I, I, <laughs> I sent you guys a ton of pictures in the group chat the yeah. other day. It was weird how fast you had them and how easily <laughs> you pulled them up. I actually go, did go Google on. all of those, but I know exactly what I was looking for, <laughs> so it was easy. Um, so Tamara Morrison is a uh, Maori. I think I'm pronouncing that right, I hope, uh, which is mm-hmm. a Polynesian people. And so from my uh, pro wrestling fandom, I can tell you that it is not uncommon for Polynesian people men to be linebackers like to be huge mm-hmm. barrel chested d- dudes so yeah. i look at that and i don't think like beer gut i think like no you know um maui from uh like, <laughs> from uh it's uh, like right. um, you're welcome what's that movie moana I, I, moana moana. Yeah. moana yeah phenomenal I, disney movie she's a ocean queen love yes. moana oh yes and some hey hey Hey, hey, it's pretty good. Yeah, and some hey, hey, hey. It's awesome too. Um, but yeah, no, I I agree with you, Josh. It's almost it's almost like a uh, I don't know, like a, I don't want to say cultural symbol of of manhood, but like to have that right, like kind of on your body, like it's that toughness. That if you physique, yeah, yeah, like uh, look at a lot of uh, a lot of players, both in rugby uh, and in football uh, of Polynesian. Um, background right when they do that when you see a traditional what is it the haka yeah is that right when you see mm-hmm. that like those guys are built the same way but they are strong as hell and they are not the people that you want to mess with because they will they will tear you apart um, do you guys remember the yes, wrestler I, uh king haku or or mm-hmm. Meng? he was Meng in wcw mm-hmm. he Indeed. so yes. he's a tongan guy um i'm a big fan of his sons or wrestlers in uh in new Japan, but he, he's the guy that they're like, he's the nicest guy ever. But if you piss him off, he will kill you. Like he's, he's the guy that is like, mm-hmm. um, the, the, like, that's also what people say yeah. about me. <laughs> like there's <laughs> All stories the about him, like biting people and like, uh, getting into a bar fight with like eight cops and like all sorts of just wild stuff. Jeez. And he's not a body guy, but he's, Ill-advised. A, but he's a tank. 
Wow. And again, and again, we are not experts on this, but if somebody out there is of Polynesian background and, and wants to talk about it a little bit more, please enlighten us because we would love to hear it. Cause I, I think it's the coolest thing. I love watching. Anytime I see a, one of those videos pop up on my feed, I will watch it like the Haka from rugby or from football. Uh, there was an, actually an LSU player, uh, whose family used to do it with him before every yeah. game. Uh, I think his senior season was last year, but it was really, really fun to watch. So I, I will say um, as three white guys too, I want to, I want to, um, acknowledge that I know that not all like Polynesian people are exactly the same and that right. there's big differences between Samoan people and Tongan people and mm-hmm. people from uh, New Zealand and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. So, yes, but we love it. It was awesome to see. Um, and it's good to see Tamara Morrison back on the screen. So good. Uh, with more lines of dialogue, more action, more everything. You so. know, while we're talking about the look, how did you guys like the, um, I guess his like kind of robe, as opposed to the flight suit under the armor. I thought it looked very cool, especially in action, but I I think there was a sect of people that thought it was not super awesome. I thought it was cool because I'm like, well, he went and just put the armor over top. He didn't like, he's not in there like trying to put one leg up at a time and slip into a flight suit before he puts the armor on. He's like kind of in a hurry people. So like get in there. I can throw it over my robes. I'm good to go. Go fight people. Well, frankly, people aren't going to love this, but his like baggy gray flight suit was the weakest part of the whole ensemble in the in the original trilogy. I thought I I think it looked really good. I was just commenting on it. It is the flight suit is a base for so many Star I, Wars I outfits. It. I mean, you know Tie pilots, X wing pilots, AT AT drivers, uh, crew member, Imperial crew, scanning crew. It is just Mandalorians. It is just your Velcro base biker. Yeah. yeah. It's it's like, Hey, what can we put under this armor that looks like it's going to seal our body in when we're in space and doing things. So, uh, rogue one, it was used all over rogue one, Bodhi Rook, uh, Jen Erso. Um, it is such a base for those outfits that, um, and they're all a little bit different. I know, I know the Mandalorian flight suits have different pockets than what my tie pilot has, uh, in what I think uh, the X-wing pilots have, so the, the Mandos are pretty open to interpretation. They're they're pretty loose with the mm-hmm. with the costuming guidelines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it all really just comes down to the fact that onesies are really popular in Star Wars. So <laughs> in general, <laughs> there well, you go. Yeah, yeah. they're kind of popular just in general too now. But yes. yeah, yeah. So so diving back into this episode, so this <laughs> takes place mostly on Tython. We get a little bit of Moff Gideon's Imperial Cruiser towards the end, but it's mostly on Tython. Uh, some fun facts, interesting facts. Uh, the troop transport that you see the Imperials land on the planet with is actually an, er- earlier, an early version of the atmospheric assault lander, the AAL, which is used by the First Order. You see them right in the beginning of The Force Awakens uh, when they're flying down to the planet to... Uh, chase after um, Oscar Isaac and Poe Dameron. Uh, some of the prisoners later on in the episode, as they're like scanning, as Cara Dune is scanning through the computer, you see a bunch of faces yeah. pop up there. Looking for Mayfeld. Yep, looking for, for Miggs Mayfeld. Uh, some of the prisoners on the monitor were actually from previous episodes of The Mandalorian, specifically Chapter 10, The Passenger. Um, their names are Gapgrin Dozito, who was the small one with the little metal face, uh, Biren Redben, who is a human with goggles, 
Avrek Kafundi, uh, who's a human with a helmet, and Mduelo D, which is the Nikto yeah, that you see. And it one. actually freezes right on the Nikto for a second, so it was easy to see. Uh, two of the Aqualish uh, seen at the start of Chapter 12. The Siege are also identified in there as Ungatobo, Ungatoba, and Borden Todds. So it's kind of see just a callback <laughs> with some of these characters that we've seen you know, attacking Mando or hunting after Mando that have done some nefarious stuff that are all on a wanted list somewhere in this database. And love attention to detail like that. Yeah. And we get world building. This is, you know, it's more world building, more characters. Um, so it's good to see that. And then finally, uh, you know, we know Tamara Morrison from, you know, obviously being, uh, the, the face of Django Fett, the clones, um, and anything that was based off of Django Fett. And I think he's actually retroactively, I think I read somewhere, he actually retroactively did some voice work for Boba yep. Fett for the OT. Um, 2004 but this was the first, Yeah, but this was the first time that Tamara Morrison has actually worn Boba Fett's iconic green armor on screen, which was so cool. So uh, it, it was pretty cool to, to get that little tidbit in there. So lots of fun facts. Um, we're going to break it down a little bit different this week. Uh, normally what we would do is we would kind of walk through the episode and kind of talk about it and and uh, break it down piece by piece. But I think there, there was so much to kind of unpack from this episode. We're just going to kind of look at some of our favorite parts through the episode. Obviously, we'll start in the beginning and kind of work our way through. But... Uh, but I think, you know, f- f- just trying a different feel, we're going to see how we like this and, uh, and then, uh, we'll go from there. So, uh, Josh, when we open up, you know, when we first see Mando and the child on the ship or when we land on Tython, what were some of those moments initially that stood out for you right in the beginning of the episode? Um, well, that scene in the cockpit where, um, you really get, they really kind of establish the connection, I mean, the connection's already been established, but they really, um, like, hammer down on that connection between the child, or Grogu, and uh, Din, you know, with him uh, doing the ball thing with them, and he kind of gets choked up when he's talking to him, and he's, like, really yeah, enjoying it. That. Um, that was really cool. That, yeah, that's, I mean, that's the first thing. Yeah. I had a, I had a question right there in the opening in that cockpit when... Uh, baby Yoda, Grogu, the child, I support all of his names. I think it's fine either way. Uh, he, he snatched the ball as he's want to do. And Mando was like, no, I'm not mad at you. I'm impressed. And then he says something about like, when I found out you had all this training and then he just doesn't really say anything. And like, I, I didn't, I didn't really get what he was driving at with that. Yeah. That whole little line of, and I know it's hard to like have dialogue when one of the two characters doesn't speak, but, uh, I just, I didn't, I didn't know what he was trying to say with that whole thing. I was just, I I think I got what you were saying. Yeah. Like it was, he kind of trailed off like, and just didn't really finish where he was going. You know, like a lot of times people, you know, they do that in TV and they'll like, but you know what the, like the intent was behind it. Like, ah, I just thought, but like you know what he's thinking, but I, I truly do not know what he was thinking. I have no idea what what he was actually talking about. Yeah, yeah. I think for me, the first thing that stood out in this episode, it was a great conversation. I loved 
you know, between Din and the child. I loved him just holding the little shift knob, kind of like grunting over it and like moving his hand mm-hmm. around it, like Gollum looking at the ring and Lord of the Rings, like precious. my precious, my precious. And just, it, you know, you could tell he's just infatuated by this shift knob. Um, and he, he calls Which it somehow says, survived the explosion of the razor crest right? with, along with the Beskar spear. <laughs> Maybe the, the shift most- knob is Beskar. Seems like a waste of Beskar, but maybe. I don't know. Um, he does call him. He says, you're a very special kid. He, and that's, I think, Josh, what you were saying was like right there. He kind of gets a little choked up because he doesn't want to say like, you're special to me. He's just saying you're a very special kid. And I think that's where he got choked up a little bit. Yeah. When he's re- he's realizing, of course, that their time is he's assuming little did he know how it was going to happen, but their time's coming to an end. He thinks he's going to pass him off to a Jedi. Um, but he's realizing that he's, he, he cares about this kid and mm. he's attached to him. And then, um, he believes that they're about to be separated, um, on better terms than they actually get separated. But he's like, yeah, I think coming to terms with that. Yeah. What, uh, what was your guys first take of, the Jedi Temple at Tython. Overwhelming, underwhelming, about what you expected? I was a little underwhelmed. I've seen I, a few Jedi <laughs> Temples in my day, and this was yeah. more like a Stonehenge, um, o- open open floor plan type situation for the open for the Jedi that I've not plan. seen in the past. Maybe it maybe it'll patio. rise up out of the ground. Yeah, like this, <laughs> they're in a foyer or something. I'm not sure, but. Uh, maybe it'll rise up out of the ground like the one on on a uh, Lothal or something. I'm not sure, but I was I was slightly under underwhelmed by this Agreed. particular. I know it was you know a beta version was on the front end of the Jedi <laughs> Temple construction. Like there's they more mastered to it, it yet, but yeah, uh, you know they perfected it before they got to Coruscant. I kind of took that just to be a sign of how ancient of a temple it was. Um, and we know like from, from Afra that like some scholars are saying that that's actually the first temple. I love that they have this in universe, like scholarly mm-hmm. debate about which planet has yes. the fir- was the home planet. And like, I just kind of like looking at it like Stonehenge where it's like, oh, they did some sort of, uh, mystical ritual here, but we don't really know anymore because it's so old. Um, yeah, we know, we know now that they sat little Jedi children on it and blue tubes went around them. <laughs> And, it's crazy and butterflies yeah um and it was the seeing stone right that's what he sits him on is the seeing stone and i i thought it was um interesting because mando mando says are you seeing anything or are they supposed to see you yeah i thought that was funny yeah. it's like a legitimate question because i don't know either uh but the way he said it is <laughs> it, it was a really funny bit i thought you know or, so do you, do you see them are they yeah. gonna see you i don't who knows no one knows yeah it was uh it was interesting because it, during this time you get you get body movement and action from the kid. We clearly get no um uh, no vocal communication of what's ha- going on and with Din and and what we know from the Mandalorian he's got his helmet on. So you get no facial expressions or anything like that. So when he's walking around he's very calling out everything that is happening and what they're doing exactly to move the story forward. And I found that an interesting way to do it. It's not not the first time it's been used in anywhere before. Sometimes it can get a little overbearing if you feel like, hey, they're just narrating the entire story for me instead of letting me infer what's going on. But I thought they did a really good job of him kind of, you know, walking around the seeing stone. He's like, is there a place to turn this thing on? 
uh, where do you put the batteries? Like, you know, kind of well, yeah, doing the what, dad that's thing. That's what I was going to say. And, like, uh, again, like, you know nothing, Din Jaren, but mm-hmm. he he was like, is there a switch? Is there a button? Is yeah. there, like, he's just so ignorant of, like, the Jedi and the Force. And the that's, of course, that's not how anything at a Jedi Temple, there's not a button to push. That's not how they do it. But uh, You mean that's not he's, how the Force he works? Just, he's just, that's not how the Force works. <laughs> Uh, but he's just so ignorant and it's funny to me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm so smart and he's so stupid and it's hilarious. Yeah. I think the best part of this though was, you know, as he's standing there and he, he kind of looks back and nothing's happening and he's like, all right, you know, let's go. And then you hear this and we talked about it Friday, this engine noise in the background and it's an unmistakable engine noise. But then he kind of looks over to the right, and sure enough, here you see Slave One in that vertical stance as it flies like low, mm-hmm. low atmosphere, just kind of flying across the sky, almost circling like a shark around the tent, the where they're sitting, just kind of circling over here, and then you kind of see it turn and then land on the backside that we've, uh, you know, come to know and love. How it's like almost you got to get in it, mm-hmm. you know, like sitting upwards looking at the sky when it takes off in order for you to be upright but that to me was one of those just iconic scenes that pulls people into star wars and and if you love the mandalorian or like you know you're like love boba fett that was the moment i think that you're just like oh my god that's one of those those star wars video moments that just gets ingrained in our heads yeah i love that shot that's like a in atmosphere spaceship which is to me like i think i've mentioned this on the show before i really like that it's like a special treat in star wars you don't get it a lot it's it gets the light blue background which the the mm-hmm. the ship kind of pops differently on it and you get the 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 contrail behind it with the condensation and uh it just looks really cool and slave one is such a sweet design where it, it's got the flat back and it flies forward with the bubble but then it lands on the flat part with the i guess the windshield you would say facing facing up and and they sit in it like a like a astronaut would when they're about to take off you know yep that's kind of what i was looking at yep very cool ship when they when i heard that so i didn't recognize the ship as it came as like the the sound really um i maybe i just wasn't paying close enough attention or but um you know, you hear ship sound and then they kind of look or mm-hmm. didn't look. I don't remember if they both, they look and I'm, I was just like, oh, Moff Gideon, man, he already made it here. Dang. And then when it was slave one, I was like, I almost passed out. I was, <laughs> I wasn't even, and then I didn't even realize I was like, you know, we knew he was alive, but we didn't, I didn't even think about the fact that like maybe slave one wasn't around anymore. Like, it's just like, yeah, I hadn't thought of that either. Mind. Yeah. So, yep. It's pretty considerate to, I mean, it's really nice to think that people are good because, you know, he fell into the Sarlacc pit. He's assumed to be digested slowly over a thousand years. And, you know, people just left his ride be. Nobody stole it. Nobody took the hubcaps off. It, you know, it didn't find it on blocks. It was still there and functional. I have an answer you know, for this. For- I have, I have a, Go ahead. that makes sense to me. Um, so, you know, everyone else that was, at on Jabba's sail barge besides the heroes basically um you know does, is dead so no one really see, mm-hmm. saw him fall into the sarlacc and you think let's just assume his ship is parked at like the moss isley spaceport probably in yeah. some sort of vip area or some sort of 
not valet because you're not going to have someone else park your shit, but just some some special area. Certainly not. Yeah. Is someone going to? They you know it's Boba Fett's ship. You know who Boba Fett is. Are you going to mess with that ship? Are no. you going to be the you're one that impounds it? it? Absolutely not. You're not, not going to yeah, get killed. It's not worth it. Yep. Where's because well, I was. I, I was wondering, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of people. Jabba hosts a hell of a party. Uh, where, where's the parking lot at Jabba's palace? But I guess you gotta you gotta stop at the spaceport and get a a land speeder in, huh? You gotta take an Uber up to Jabba's place because it's up on that rocky cliff. Yeah, really. No do you think he's got? Do you think area. Jabba's got people for that to co pick you up when you oh, when yeah. your shuttle la- yeah. yeah when your ship I, lands yeah. at the spaceport? I think he's got a shuttle service. I think he does. Okay. Well, that's considerate. If you're, I mean, yeah. Hostess with the host with the most man, Jabba. I mean, he wa- he wants you on his side. So what better way to do that than hey, we'll pick you up from the airport, man. We'll bring you right here. You want a drink? I got a drink. Well, Come not on. to mention parties with live live entertainment that yeah. are that rocks so hard that everybody just passes out in the middle <laughs> and is there in the morning when someone's trying to thaw you out of carbonite. It's incredible. Right. Sounds like an amazing party. I'm in. I'm in. We should do that poolside in Anaheim. I never. I never <laughs> what is this crash by the pool? Uh, when we're done with our podcast and we'll just party until the wee hours of the morning. Um, that's, that sounds exactly like something I would do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm Jason pride. Thanks for listening to star Wars friends podcast. We hope you're enjoying this episode of the star Wars friends podcast. Subscribe to the Star Wars Friends for weekly episodes featuring the latest news, in-depth analysis, fan questions, and conversation on all things Star Wars. If you're enjoying the Star Wars Friends, please leave us a review on whatever podcast app you're listening on. And make it a great one. Now, back to the Star Wars Friends. So we get this arrival of Slave One, and it lands, and he's watching. At this point, the kid gets absorbed up into this force field, and... and uh, I want to, you know, Mando basically says, I'm going to protect you. He goes down and he, he goes to encounter Boba Fett. But I want to, I, I don't have the audio, but I'm going to read this conversation because in the first encounter of Din in Mando, we get this really cool conversation and, and Boba is just super laid back. Like, he, you know, there's, there's He's got that cool confidence. Yeah. Yeah. There's obviously, uh, you know, some bullet, some, some blaster bolts shot at, at Mando. He ducks behind a rock. But then Boba's just walking through these rocks right towards him. And he says, I've been tracking you, Mandalorian. Mando says, are you Jedi or are you after the child? Boba says, I'm here for the armor. Mando says, if you want my armor, you'll have to peel it off my dead body. I don't want your armor. I want my armor that you got from Cobb Vanth back on Tatooine. It belongs to me. Mando says, are you a Mandalorian? He says, I'm a simple man making his way through the galaxy like my father before me. Such an awesome line. And then Mando says, did you take the creed? And then Boba goes, I pledge my allegiance to no one. And I just thought that conversation was so cool because it sets up who he is right off the bat. I'm not, I'm not going to tell you my past history because it's none of your business. But no, I don't, I don't bow to anybody in this galaxy. I'm my own man. But yes, that is my armor. I just thought well, he, he so does cool. explain it to him a little later, later once on, he's got yes. it on. Yes. They have battle that, respect. Yeah, at I, that I point. really liked that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And, and, and it's cool. Cause they go, they banter back and forth. Uh, and we find out Fennec Shan is up on the rock with a sniper rifle trained on the child. 
uh, and we find out she's alive. But uh, I'm glad she wore that outfit that is specifically designed to expose her uh, bionic parts. Yeah, where she just peeled like she, it back. She had like one little like, yep. like she was wearing a weightlifting belt or something. And she's like, here, look, I'm a cyborg now, like yeah. villains in yeah. the Star Wars she, universe. She might need easy access, though, if she needs some sort of maintenance, though. So that might make sense. For, for tinkering? Yeah. yeah. I thought it was very cool, I hope cool, she has though, more than one outfit. Because when we find out that she's alive, Boba also says something else that really kind of caught my attention. Um, when when Fennec comes down and kind of reveals herself, it reveals that piece of herself to Mando, Boba says, she was left for dead on the sands of Tatooine, as was I. But fate sometimes steps in to rescue the wretched. And I'm like, that's that's very much a Star Wars trope that we see lots of times over and over for example one i think uh almost um i I wouldn't go as far as to say han solo was a wretched person but han solo was a smuggler but look at how much he changed when he meets leia right it's a it's it's a bit of fate where they kind of run into each other but it changes a little bit of the person that han solo is and i'm sure there's other characters in star wars that i'm missing where that happens but uh, to me, it just kind of stuck out as something that happens more than once in the Star Wars universe. Well, and it also plants a little seed of obviously he's the one who rescued Fennec Shan, but who rescued him? Um, mm. You know, to me that that makes an implication that he was her rescuer. Someone also rescued him yeah, from point. the Sarlacc pit, and who who was that? And what happened to them? Bosk. It was, was Bosk. Uh, Bosk. Bosk. Um, but yeah, I just thought that was a little best, bit of... Best feet in Star Wars, Bosk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's interesting here, too, that Boba is the voice of reason. You know what I mean? When he calls Fennec, he tells her to stand down. He's like, let's just have a little chat, right? He's the voice of, like, no, 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 we don't need to go to bloodshed. We don't need to shoot guns. I'm going to drop my stuff. You take the jetpack off. You can keep your guns, because he didn't ask him to drop the guns. He just told him to take the jetpack off. And Fennec comes down and he's the voice of reason in all this, just saying, look, let, let's just talk about this. And I thought that was really kind of cool because I think, you know, when we prior to this, right, when we would think Boba Fett and we know of his past and, and from what we get from the original trilogy, Josh, I'm not including legends and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, the little that we know about him, we think he's a bad dude, right? We think he's a bounty hunter. We think he's ruthless. We think... He's not going to reason with Din to get his armor back. He's just going to try to kill him and take it. But here he is, the voice of reason. And let's just have a discussion about this and talk. And here's why I want the armor. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, did you guys, when, after they kind of have that conversation, when the imp, when you see the, fr- the third ship, or the, excuse me, the second, yeah, third ship arrive on Tython, were you guys thinking Moff Gideon Empire's here? Yeah. For sure. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I, I've, I've mentioned this before, but I had a feeling at some point, uh, Moff Gideon was going to get his hands on, on Grogu. The baby. Uh, the baby. Yeah. The yeah. baby. Yeah. I, I want to, uh, that, that was the best way to, to create real stakes. That's like, I, I don't, like I've said before, I don't think that the, the child is in danger of being killed, but, he is in danger of being captured and held prisoner and harvested and all these, these other horrible things 
Um, and so I, I, I expected that to happen, but I was surprised to see him show up at that time for sure. Mm-hmm. I loved, uh, I loved the use of the ships. Um, you know, like I, like I said earlier, kind of as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, that looks just like the Imperial dropship from, uh, from um, Force Awakens when you first see the First Order troopers uh, arrive on the planet. So I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, that you know, when we get into this giant gunfight at this point, and Mando can't wake the child out of the Force field. He gets actually knocked out for like the whole first half of the fight, and Fennec and Boba pretty much take care of business. Uh, you know, I, I thought the, the first, um, you know, when when the troopers are running out, there's a and I brought it up on Friday. There was a beautiful callback to A New Hope with the orange shoulder pauldron on the stormtrooper being like the squad leader. Uh, I thought that was really cool. Um, and, and, and Boba wrecking people without his armor, just using his natural ability with the Gaffy stick. Yeah, That was, I thought, the real treat of this episode because it showed you how much of a warrior he is without his armor. Um, he dispatches, what, probably seven or eight troopers with just a Gaffy stick smashing plastoid armor uh, in their faces. And he he does not hit him once and then just leave him. Boba Fett double taps. Like, I don't know, like there was one trooper like started to kind of get back up who was clearly in a, a, a bad way. And he walks over, flips the gaffy stick around and just stabs him through the chest and he's done. Like he doesn't, he doesn't just leave him sitting there. He double taps. I think it was cool to see the gaffy stick like in use we've only ever yeah. seen it like waved around and uh he was he was seriously like uh wrecking some people with those things and uh uh you know if you think about it it's a big stick with a point on the end it would do some damage to that armor and he uh it was it was not, pretty slick he looked n- good not just for dental hygiene no and yeah. i i liked to see um Phoenix and Mando like she was basically using him as a shield it was like yeah. it, it looked exactly like a video game to me and he he was the tank and she was like the DPS trying to pick him off behind him or something like mm-hmm. it was uh, he's just embraced the Beskar now and like apparently is not worried at all about the gaps in between it he's just gonna stand there and take <laughs> I'm, shots I'm worried but <laughs> like she was between <laughs> him and a giant boulder uh, I don't know why they didn't both just go behind the boulder, but there, there, they, there they were. So he's not worried about it. Right. I was just going to say that as cool as it was to see Boba in his armor later on, that I think in the end, the armorless gaffy stick beating was uh, more impressive. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean the, the, I think the first guy is the first guy or second guy he hits when he pops out from behind the rock, he hits him and the dude just like pinballs off of two or three, like, two rocks and falls down a, a gap to the ground, um, which was super impressive to watch. Uh, what did you guys think of the, uh, the mortar team troopers? We had, we had two large weapons in here. We had the E-Web uh, repeating blaster, and then we had the mortar team, which those troopers came out with like that mustard yellow color kind of down the middle of the helmet and on the shoulders and stuff very similar to what clones used to do where they would have different colored aren't like different colored stripes for different yeah. divisions. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, that was, I mean, I'm a big, big trooper guy. So for me, that was, was fun to see. Um, I don't know what the dude with the E-Web blaster was thinking though, when he was trying to shoot the boulder rolling at him just repeatedly, like, 
did you think that was just move out of the way he you, thought, you he only was hoping had to, it would break into pieces I, or something i don't know i don't know that's i maybe that's the the overconfidence of the empire thinking that their weapons will just work for them all the time i don't know but just dive man move right move left do something yeah do something. it didn't seem like the smartest move to me either like Ah, oh, we're about to get run over by that steamroller. Oh, I hope it stops. Oh, no. There was uh there was an interesting thing too. I saw Ming-Na Wen when she's uh, in that scene when she's pushing the boulder, she does count 1 1 2 in Arabesh. Did you guys catch that? Oh. Yeah, she goes not. 1 2 and then like pushes and she's finally a go gets on that three rock. Type yeah, of girl. that that boulder traveled down on 3. So because uh, you never know, is it one, two, three, go, or one, two, go on three? It's like you got to establish that ahead of time. She's a go on three type of person, apparently. Yeah. Uh, so at this point, you know, uh, Mando and, and, and Fennec are fighting off troops. Boba's dispatched his, and he sees uh, at this point an opportunity to go get in the Razor Crest, which was left open again, by the way. Uh, okay, he's not he good about leaves- locking up. Leaves the ship open. The security code to the armory is zero one two three. Apparently, <laughs> uh, you know. So <laughs> password is password. It's not hard to break. Right. In. So Boba goes. You know what? I'm here. I'm just gonna go get my armor back. Uh, we see Fennec and and Din kind of get pinned in, and here's where Boba gets his groove back, and he dro- this part. This first shot with him dropping in with the jetpack behind a, a, a stormtrooper, and he drops down behind him, and then he slowly kind of stands up, and you recognize, you see the helmet a little bit, you see the rangefinder a little bit, and then the trooper kind of turns around, and then you get the full picture of Boba Fett, and in this scene, he just like takes his hand and just backhands him across the face. And as soon as I saw that, all I could think of was the, have you guys seen the Batman and Robin meme? Yeah. Uh, where Batman mm-hmm. slapping Robin across the face yeah. with his backhand. That's all I could think about right there was the Batman and Robin meme. I thought it was great. Uh, and then he goes on to just dispatch just about every stormtrooper that's left. I, I think the only thing that would have made this better is if they would have treated it like that, the scene in Django Unchained where they're in the house and they just start shooting everybody. And then all of a sudden, like totally not fitting with the times, but fitting with the scene completely. Tupac starts playing and Jamie Foxx is just bam, bam. (laughs) Like, can you imagine like, just like some gangster rap starts playing while while Tupac, while Boba Fett's just murdering stormtroopers. Oh, that'd have been awesome. Yes. Someone could, someone could make that edit. Might be me. Oh yeah. Uh, I you know he he uses just about every weapon he's got. He uses uh, um, he uses his blaster pistol, which he did not have his normal like shotgun. And I I know what gu- it's the ee ee something. I'm looking at gun, I and you. I I can't remember. I, I know it. I know what it is. I'm it's embarrassed EE. for you. <sighs> I know what it is too. I can't believe you don't know the name. <sighs> of it. It's killing me. But anyway, he he didn't have that. So clearly that's been lost somewhere or maybe he left it on slave one but um he he did not have it with him so he's using the blaster pistol he uses rockets from his wrist uh i did not see him use knee rockets 
he used some knee rockets. Yeah, he used knee rockets. He literally punches one trooper in the gut and then fires a rocket, which in turn launches the trooper uh, into the rocks behind one. him. That was pretty awesome. Um, and then at once he kind of like dispatches the crowd, the rest of them just take off and run away. They're scared. Clearly scared at this point. They're like, dude, we had 20 troops, 30 troops, can't handle two mandos and a, 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 a sharpshooter, which Fennec Shan, by the way, was awesome. Awesome with that sniper rifle because she was straight up no scoping people left and right. Shooting from the hip, man. Yep. She was good. Yep. Josh, did you find it? Did you happen to find it by chance? Well, I'm in the equipment section of his. Is it EE8 maybe? I'm not even seeing you know, you, it. You know the gun I'm talking about yeah, though, no, right? The, it's yeah. the one he's always got, kind of a short little shotgun looking thing. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, they dispatch the troops. They go running back to the ship and, and as they're taken off, this is I, I for a minute I didn't think we were gonna get rocket firing Boba Fett, but we actually ended up getting rocket firing Boba Fett, where you know they're they're taken off in the two ships and he you know drops the little range finder down. He clearly locks onto the lower one. There's two of them. They're kind of like one's a little bit higher than the other. You can mm-hmm. see him look at a piece of the the engine on the back of the lower one. And he kind of leans forward, bends at the hip, leans forward, drops the head, fires the rocket, and it flies up, and it hits the second one, the, the higher up one, which in turn causes it to careen down into the first one, and he ends up taking out both ships. And Din, Din looks over at him and says, nice shot. And Boba goes, I was aiming for the other one. And I just, I was like, man, Boba Fett's got jokes. I was like, this is great. I, yeah, I, I thought he was being totally cheeky the first time I watched it because I I didn't I didn't notice that it locked on to the bottom one and not the top one. Um, but did you catch I, it on, on my second rewa- watch. Yeah. On my rewatch, I did, and I was like, oh, that he he actually is just being deadpan. He really did aim for the, <laughs> yeah. the other one. <laughs> yeah. So it's the uh, Blastech EE three carbine rifle. I knew it. It was EE something. I just yeah. couldn't figure out what the number was. I thought it was EE eight, but. Um, you know, so we he dispatches these troops, uh, and at this point, one of the things that I loved seeing in this episode was the planetary bombardment. Because uh, after the ships are blown up, and they think, "Oh, we're done," oh no, this one shot, this one giant shot comes down from somewhere in the sky and absolutely decimates, decimates the Razor Crest. Giant cavern, a pile of ash in a in a hole in the ground, crater in the ground. Now, just decimates the Razor Crest at this point. Um, shocked. Uh, I I don't even know what other words I would use to describe it. I was shocked. Uh, amazed. I could not believe they did that. I couldn't believe they did that. Uh, that actually doesn't really happen to uh, ships in Star Wars with a fancy name that often. Very like, true. Yep. So, That's just Star Erasure. Yep. And and Maggie Maggie <laughs> they, they brought rebuilt up a good point. that one. Yeah. Yeah. Twice. Uh, and Maggie brought up a good point in the live chat where you know she said if you want to if you want to break a character right. And, and to this point, we've not seen Mando really broken. Take, start taking away the things that he loves, right? Here, things that he or she loves. They blasted his razor crest into the ground. It's gone. They have taken the child from him, who he clearly cares about. Whether he would admit it or not, 
he does care about the child. Um, they've taken that away. So Din at this point is a broken man and is just kind of, I don't, I don't want to say lost because maybe he's not lost. We'll see next week. I think when that episode rolls out, but I think under the helmet, he is definitely feeling some things at this point. His carbine rifle was on the razor crest. It's gone. That sweet well, nerf gun. His whole is now armory. Gone. Yeah. His whole armory yeah. that the mithril got into is gone. Well, they, they definitely backed him into a corner and I think he's really lucky that he has like some backup right now or else he'd probably be like spiraling out, but it's, it'll be interesting to see how he reacts to this. You know, he's usually pretty measured and, and calm, but, um, I wonder if he's going to be able to maintain that demeanor, uh, under all this stress he's under right now. Um, But I, I also think this is a practical way to now we're going to be cruising around in Slave One, um, which we all agree is a very cool ship and oh, has yeah. some some sex appeal. It's an OT thing. I, I think this is like, uh, boom, guess what? There's only one ship left. Now who's the star of the show? So, uh, <laughs> And I don't mean that in like a, a shitty bad way. It just, I think... We're, we're now moving this ship into the, the forefront. Hey, Star Wars friends, it's Josh, your favorite Star Wars friend and the resident John Williams One Percenter. Do you want to be a John Williams One Percenter like me? Well, here's a piece of John Williams trivia to help you push up your glasses at the other 99%. Did you know that John Williams has 52 Academy Award nominations in his career to date? The only other person with more nominations is some guy named Walter Disney. Never heard of the guy. Make sure to stay on target and listen to the Star Wars Friends podcast every week for more John Williams content. Hey, this is Dominic Pace, who played Gecko the Bounty Hunter from The Mandalorian. Happy to be your Star Wars friend. You're listening to the Star Wars Friend Show. Fun thought. What if, by the end of this season, Boba says, I'm ready to retire. I just want to find a nice... I got a nice little place on Tatooine that I love. I just want to retire, be a simple man. You can have Slave (laughs) One. And Mando's, some, Mando's riding around and slave one the rest of the time. You don't think? No. No? I've got some terrible news. Uh, no one in Star Wars gets to retire ever. It's never happened. So <laughs> uh, his best option will be to die. That's That, that could happen. He might which, die. Which that is also, I think, a possibility here, right? I think we could yeah, put oh, that in sure. play that in the next two episodes, uh, you, I, if they're going to get the kid back this season and they're going to do this attack on Moff Gideon or try to track the kid down, uh, they're going to, I think you may lose some people. Well, he is definitely a high profile character that I would not assume is protected by plot armor necessarily. So I think it's possible. Same thing with, I would say Kara, maybe the same thing with grief. Um, I don't know that there's any others in there. Um, Fennec probably along those lines. She's, she's super, Super threatened. As as we learned in I as we learned in Rogue One, I think characters kind of 
I don't want to say dying off, but characters getting killed pulls you in that much more to the story. And I think, uh, you know, I don't, I don't look at Obi-Wan kind of the same way. Cause Obi-Wan was, was more of a sacrificial character to advance Luke's story. And while yes, it is hard to watch at that point, we didn't really know a lot about Obi-Wan, but versus what we got with clone wars and all that other stuff afterwards. But I think if you're looking at, Hey, what, how can we further Din's character along? We've got all these other characters that could meet that fate potentially in the next two episodes or by the season opener of next season. Not to mention Ben didn't die in the traditional sense. I mean, he died, but he didn't die. He was in the other two movies, like, you know, as a ghost, Correct. which a yes. lot of characters can't do that. So, right. Yep. So, you know, they're at this point, Boba's like, I got to get to my shirt. Fennec says, go get your ship. Cause they don't want the same fate to happen to slave one. Mm-hmm. So he goes to get his ship. Uh, and then we get the introduction of the dark troopers. They come down and they take, they man, uh, Din sees the ship. Like he can see the outline of the ship. He can't really tell what it is, but he can see the outline of the ship and the dark troopers get dispatched here. So Fennec and Din go running up the hillside. Josh, what did you, what was your first impression of the dark troopers as they're leaving the ship and approaching the planet? I thought they looked so sweet. Uh, I, I wasn't sure exactly what I expected. I think like those, I, those in like previous, uh, versions, the version one, uh, phase or phase one, uh, dark troopers don't look that cool. These ones looked a little bit more like phase two. And because mm-hmm. of that, they, they look really cool. Like they look like robotic, you know, stormtroopers more so than the, yeah. um, the traditional phase one. So I, yeah, no, I thought mm-hmm. they looked sweet. I was very uh, happy with the way that they looked. Yeah, I think their faces looked kind of similar to like a like a super battle droid. I think are those the big armored ones that were in Clone Wars that had like the wrist rocket yeah. things? Yep, yep. Yeah, the, the face obviously not the body, but the face itself looked similar to like with the little triangle kind of Darth Vader mouth that they had. Yeah, I thought they looked a little a little Cylonish, but far enough away from that sculpt that they were their own thing uh i loved the red eyes and the red like chest pieces yeah. and stuff i am so hoping sideshow puts out a dark trooper six scale figure because i will pre-order that uh in a heartbeat um i i, th- I was hoping to see more out of them though they literally blasted down there they landed they move in unison which i thought was really cool so that's i think how you know they're droids and not people or, or some kind of human brain it's they landed perfectly synchronized moving into the kid grabbed him. they even launched from the ship i think in synchronization like in that little cluster of four so i i was hoping i'd get more out of them fighting wise but i was happy with the intro that's I what know, we're gonna get next yep, time i I'm know sure. yeah they already gave uh, us enough this week we don't need to see dark yeah. troopers fighting too <laughs> would have been would have been nice if Baby Yoda could have popped that uh, blue force field tube up when those guys arrived, huh? He's uh, right? not always got the best timing with that stuff. No, it clearly wore him out communicating. Yeah. Or again, we don't know. We don't know if whatever <clears throat> somebody somebody's was, seeing something. Yeah, was he seeing other people, other Jedi? Were they seeing him? Did he send out like a a beacon or work? distress call? Like we don't know. I think we're gonna have to. 
Uh, I don't know that we're going to find that out in the next episode. I could bet two episodes from now we figure out what that call was or what happened during that conversation. Or season but I don't three. think we're getting that next week. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's it, it, the Dark Trooper snatch up the tired child. He clearly can't use the Force and fight back at this point because he's just worn out. Uh, they take him up to Moff Gideon's cruiser. Uh, and at this point, Boba is is ready to execute him or like to to engage the dark troopers and uh din basically says you know tell him to 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 pull off like tell him to to stay away i don't want the kid hurt uh and he goes all right i'll do a loose follow and he follows the the dark troopers back up where we get um you know moff gideon's cruiser kind of you know in that low altitude a little bit higher than where slave one was but he gets close enough that he can see the ship. He knows it's Imperial. And he says, they're back. And Fennec says, who? He goes, the Empire. They're back. And Fennec says, the Outer Rim is under the jurisdiction of the New Republic. And Boba goes, this isn't a spice dream. I can see the Imperial cruiser with my own eyes. And I, I thought that was really, really cool because I, I don't know what guys everybody is assuming that the new Republic just controls the outer rim, but we clearly know the outer rim is a huge area. And if Moff Gideon is operating out under out, out here under, you, you can't move that kind of ship around and not have somebody see it. Do you know what I mean? Or well, know about it. It's a very fantasy slash science fiction kind of trope that there is this area that just can't be controlled. And that's how the outer rim has always sort of been in star Wars. Like people try to keep a grip grip on it and they can't ever really do it. And, um, you know, whether it's the Republic or the empire or whatever you want to call it, uh, everybody's just kind of fighting for themselves mm -hmm. out in the outer rim, the wild west. Yep. Very oh, much. So, yeah. uh, you know, so it's, it's interesting to see they get the child back up to the ship and Boba at this point, kind of, he's like, I'm coming back. He returns back to the planet. Uh, and we see Din searching the leftover remains of his ship. Did you guys expect him to find anything in there? Or did you guys like have a hunch what he was looking for when he was first kind of rooting around in there? I, I did not. Honestly, I did not. I, was like, Why I, I kind of forgot about that Beskar spear for a minute. And then when he pulled it out, I'm like, well, yeah, of course that thing didn't blow up. Yeah. Um, I was that was the only thing apparently, but surprised the shift knob did not blow up, but yeah, a little surprised. I mean, that's, that's armor. like a, that's a plot point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a plot point. So that, but, uh, the, there wasn't a lot of rubble either. I was, it, it was basically like disintegrated to yeah. ash. It, there wasn't like parts and pieces all over the, which maybe they went flying and they're, they're scattered about, but uh, he was digging through basically piles of ash. Like it had been burned up or something. Right. Yeah. And it was almost kind of in the areas where I would think those things would have been if they were, if the ship was still parked there, like the shift knob was just below the cockpit in the ground and the Beskar spear was, just below the armory in the ground. And that's where he found them. But um, no, he's, you know, rooting around and we get, we get Fennec and, and Boba just kind of standing there watching him root around in this dirt and debris. Uh, and he, he pulls the spear out. He comes back up and, and 
and Josh, I think you had this, uh, what was actually written in the chain code, but we have this conversation between Boba and Mando and, and he says, uh, here, I want to show you something. And he says, my chain code, my chain code has been encoded in this armor for 25 years. You see, this is me, Boba Fett. This is my father. Oh, wait, he says, Boba Fett. He's got to say it like that with the little inflection on the Boba Fett. Hmm. Um, and he says, this is my father, Django Fett. Mando says, your father was a foundling. Boba says, yes, he even fought in the Mandalorian Civil Wars. Mando says, that armor belongs to you. Then that armor belongs to you. And Boba says, I appreciate its return. And then after this, and he's like, then our deal that, is that, done. That like exchange gave Boba Fett so much more Mandalorian yes. street cred and the whole Fett family. Yep. And when you, if you freeze on that, you can see the com- the chain code in Mandoa that's, that's on his armor. And Josh, I don't know if you still have that around or not, but it said, um, uh, there was a very interesting bit in there about, um, was it Master Geel? It says it says like Jast, like Jaster ja- Muriel yeah. is in there, but it's like cut off. But it's like yeah, they yeah they do. There is there is like the start of his name like J A S T E, and then mm-hmm. and then it's uh, there's definitely in like a nod to it. Yeah, yeah. It it was very cool because it basically goes from Boba Fett and or from Jango Fett and how. Ma- uh, Jaster Muriel was Django Fett's teacher because I think it says teach. It says like teach Jast and then it breaks oh, so off or something here, like here's that. Here's what it says. It says, <clears throat> here's a text we can see. And it's like line. So each one of these is line. So it says foundling. And then the next line says took in into the year. And then the next line says the. And then the next line says conquered Don. And then the next line says mentor Jast. J-A-S-T. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Father Fett, Boba Fett. Yeah. So it gives that lineage of uh, where, how Django got into it, you know, and who his teacher was. Uh, and he was a foundling. So Boba Fett, you know, through lineage and um, is is Mandalorian. I, I, I There's no... There's no other way to put it. I, I don't know. For anybody that maybe doubted or, or didn't believe that they were Mandalorian, this is now legitimately yeah. Boba Fett and Jango Fett are Mandalorian. Well, and it, it depending on... so, And I, I kind of misunderstood and had to look it back up because I kind of forgot. There's so many like wars and infighting with um, Mandalorians that the like the Mandor- mm-hmm. Mandalorian Civil War could mean like five different conflicts at least, and so in the expanded universe in Legends, um, Jaster mm-hmm. Muriel fought was the was the leader of the Mandalore of the Journeyman Protectors, which was basically at that time you had um, you had the New Mandalorians, the pacifist Mandalorians ruling the planet um, with supposed Republic backing. Um, and then you mm. had two clan, like two groups uh, that were still armored warriors. You had Death Watch, and then you had uh, the Journeyman Protectors, and the Journeyman, er, and they called themselves the True Mandalorians. And they, so in those, um, those guys, it was like we're still 
wearing the armor. We still want to follow the, the old codex, but we're going to be, there's a moral code. And so we're not about like conquering and war, but we are about fighting and being honorable and sh chivalrous and stuff. And so Jaster was their leader. He was Mandalore. They, they still held the title of Mandalore. And then that's, that that's the, the the civil war that Jaster fought in. If now obviously if this and and Django also fought in if this if they end up going back to the story they already have was between the two mm. warrior factions and it didn't even involve the pacifist new Mandalorians that Satine ended up you know being the the um, Duchess for. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Um. But it, it was so cool to hear that this little bit and you really had to search to find that little section and, and freeze frame it to get all that kudos to those that went out freeze from freeze framed it, pulled that information because there's tons of that kind of stuff uh, in in these episodes of The Mandalorian. It's just hidden all over the place, like uh, kind of the fact that I brought up earlier about the uh the the data banks uh, for the criminals that Cara Dune was going through when she was looking for Mayfeld. Uh, when she does find him, we learn his name is Miggs Mayfeld. <laughs> uh, not a I don't know if that's a good Star Wars name or a bad Star Wars. Was name. he named by Stanley? Uh, uh, maybe I don't know. Stanley does love an alliteration, <laughs> man. Yes, he does. Uh, but anyway, so we you know we're we're back. Uh, we find the spear. We we. We know Boba, Fennec, uh, they agree to help the Mando because part of the bargain was to ensure the safety of the child with him. And clearly, uh, he is not with Din anymore. First day on the job, already screwed it up. <laughs> right. Uh, so he, they basically agree, you know, we're a crew now. We're going to help you get this kid back. So let's do some, let's do some work. So they go back to Cara Dune. Uh, she went legit. She is now a marshal. Uh, for the New Republic? Not a joiner, but she did join one more thing. So there she is. Now she's a marshal. <laughs> she, she did join. Uh, she ends up helping Mando search through the database. Uh, they find Migs Mayfeld. He was apprehended near the Delestri system on a derelict prison ship, which was uh, the one that they were on in that episode in season one. Uh, and he is now serving 50 years in the Carthon chop fields. I don't know what the Carthon chop fields are. There is nothing out there on the Carthon chop fields that I could find. That could be very interesting if they have to go break him out. Like, is he in a chop shop? Like they're working on ships. Is it field work? Like is some he in kind a of forced labor? Now? I'm sure. Like, what is happening here? So, and I, I can't imagine Miggs is going to be too happy to see Mando again. Uh, after he got double crossed in that episode. Well, they were trying to double cross him first, but you know, He's not going to be happy either way. Either way, I wonder if it's like um, th where uh, Cal was working at the very beginning of um, Fallen Order, where he's like oh, chopping the capital yeah. ships up. Oh, that'd be sweet. That would be because to they, see that would be really cool. Like to see a planet, yeah. like just like a junkyard planet with all these derelict ships. That would be super sweet. Because it's it's been a while since I played that game, but one of the first things that you see one of the ships he's working on is the e is one of the ETA two starfighters in that game. Yeah. And I I dare I go on a limb and say that was Anakin's because it was black with the gray and it had the Imperial logo on it. I'd have to go back and look at that scene, 
But yes, one of those things he was working on was one of those Clone Wars ships, which would be super cool to see in The Mandalorian if he goes to to a place like that. Uh, Kyle, we go back to Moff Gideon's ship here, and we we see him traveling through hyperspace at this point, going somewhere. Uh, what are your thoughts at the, during this scene when Moff Gideon goes in and confronts the child? Uh, I was impressed to see the child uh, fighting back with the the stormtroopers like that, and they looked like total slapstick fools just getting yeah, they like did. they they're trying to stand up on marbles or something in home alone and, and their legs are flying out from under them. They looked ridiculous. Um, but again, we've, we've already established a bunch of times that using the force tuckers out the wee baby and then Moff Gideon comes in and he's just like this horrible villain, uh, mm. which, which you love, you know, he's putting, shackles on this baby he's he's whipping out uh dark sabers right in his face and um he's a bad bad dude and that's good we you know we like a it's good to have a protagonist to hate sometimes you know nuance yeah. is good too but nothing wrong with just a bad guy that's bad we need yeah. some more and, of those. And, yeah mm-hmm. and we know moff gideon is smart and he i think knew that when he first walked into the room that the child was going to wear himself out playing with these two stormtroopers and fall asleep. Like just it, maybe not fall asleep, but at least Tucker himself out that he couldn't fight back or do anything. I think Moff Gideon knew that. Yeah, he rope doped him a little bit. Yeah. Cause he, you know, the one trooper behind him is like, Oh, you want me to blast him? And he says, no, nah, hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. Let him, let him have his fun. Cause he's going to wear himself out. Um, you know, like a lot of infants and toddlers, you just let them go and do their thing. They're going to wear themselves out cause they're not conscious of, how much energy they're spending on doing whatever it is that they're doing. So I thought that was, very I, I interesting. will say when the baby kind of got tired and ended up falling over and falling asleep or, pe- or I guess when he got stunned in this scene, he, when he kind of fell over, that was probably the worst I've seen the child look, which I get like getting it to fall over on its side. There probably wasn't a great way to do that, but that was the first time I was ever like, Oh, that looks that looks pretty fake. Oh, you're you're talking okay. You're talking about the actual like animatronic, yeah, the, the thing, like actual not, puppet not, or the look f- terrible in that situation. No, 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 no. Like I get it. Like we stunned him and he falls over, but it like fell really slow and it felt really kind of awkward and stiff yeah. and like it just didn't. It it wasn't a great effect for me. I I, I I noticed it even the first time I watched it. I was like, oh, that wasn't so great. <laughs> I felt I like at this point I was almost in tears because I was like. Dude, I felt so bad for this kid. You know, he's on a cold yeah. steel table, like right when he scared. thought he was safe again, too. And one, well, he knows what he's in for because it's yeah. already happened. Yeah, he's so just he, trying to put up his last bit to fight and keep him away, and he just couldn't do it. And he's, you know, Gideon walks up and he's holding that dark saber right above his head, just messing with him, and you know, like kid's got his hand up like this and he's like eh, you can tell he's just in a dire in dire straits at this point so i was almost in tears by the end of this episode because i felt bad for the child and grogu and just was like please don't do that but the, i will say they stunned him they put him to sleep in those little baby handcuffs are the cutest handcuffs i have Can't ever believe seen they even have them that small oh my gosh they were so tiny They're probably special orders yeah <laughs> like how many prisoners do you get where you need Extra, extra, extra small size. Yeah, they're gonna have to. They're gonna have to outsource those. 
Don't well, maybe not an off the shelf item. Now, well, now that I think about, it, maybe they have more than what I would expect because the Empire has been known to go after and hunt down force wielding children. And maybe different, they have different them. species of creature are different size yeah. too. You know, you yeah. never know. Yeah, I don't know. So uh, it was it was a great episode. I said this on Friday. I am super excited for Josh and for Chris and for anybody out there that is a Boba Fett fan has been for years and for all of those years has only had to ever hear people go, well, he didn't really do anything. He's not that cool. He's just got cool armor for years and years and years. That's hey, don't, all don't they say heard. It like it's an illegitimate <laughs> gripe, man. It's a, it's a, it's a legitimate point to make. <laughs> yeah. It, it, for years. That's, that's all they heard. And they're like, but, but legends, but this stuff in the novels is so good. And it got all erased with the Disney canon. I feel like this is, and I was searching for the word Friday. I could not find the word. Uh, my wife was like, Hey, validated. And I, I was like, yes, that is a much more, because uh, uh, I was searching like redeemed, vindicated, whatever, validated. Their love of Boba Fett has been validated through this episode because of the backstory that they gave Boba Fett, um, the way that they made his character in this episode uh, just solidified that. And, and again, just absolutely validated their love for Boba Fett. Josh, I, I you know, I, you I don't even it, know man. what to say, my friend. You said I, it. I don't even know what to say. You like, said I, it. I'm so excited for you and Chris. Um, you know, so many people love that character. Uh, I just, and, and even to a certain extent, Django. For those that grew up with the prequels that loved Django Fett and only get to see him really in one battle and he gets his head lopped off. Uh, now you get a little Spoiler bit more alert. backstory. Yeah, now you get a little bit more backstory um, about Django Fett and his character and how he stood for something and he he fought uh, in the Mandalorian Wars. And I, I, it's so cool to like, I don't want to say retcon because I don't feel it's like a retcon. I, I feel like... It just gave us more details yes, that we didn't have. Yes, I, I love it. I love it. They absolutely nailed this episode. Absolutely nailed it, in my opinion. I, that's, Agreed. that's just my opinion josh well, well like i said like i said on friday i i um i went into this kind of expecting it to be one of the more low-key episodes because generally that's how the flow's been this season you know we had cop vanth episode and then we had the spiders and then we had cara dune and then we had the old crew and then, you know, and then we had Ahsoka. So I was like, okay, this is like, we've gotten like a new, like a a, char- a big character reveal, like every episode, like this episode's probably going to be, you know, some like Ocean's Eleven type thing or something. and Something slower. And um, yeah, no, completely blew me out of the water, like blew, blew my expectations away and do you feel like the Razor Crest right now? Pretty much. You're yeah. just blown away. <laughs> Pretty much. He is a crater of the man he once was yeah. after this episode. Just blown up. Um, but yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, they we thought in the beginning of this season, I think we were going to get a lot of monster uh what are references because we got like monster after monster after monster. Yeah, we got like monster hunters for like the first half. Yeah. Yeah. And now we got Bo-Katan. We got... Ahsoka Tano, we got Boba Fett, 
for the next three. Like the we had three monster ones. Now we had three of these these key characters. We've got two episodes left, right? We're we're we've got an eight eight episodes total on the season. We got two episodes left, and and we talk about it. We talked about it on Friday a little bit in Filoni fashion. He likes to do two episode season endings where it bridges that that two episode end and maybe that two episode beginning. Um, Back in the nineties, we used to call that a TBC to be continued. Yeah, yeah. So it, you know, I, I'm assuming we'll get the same here uh, with these last two episodes. But um, if you guys don't have anything, would you guys have anything else on this episode before we? Uh, kind of go in and that's not how the force works i don't think so yeah no, Solid I, think episode. We, I think we got it yeah, all i, I liked it top tier yeah, well, is it, it the best stuff. episode so far this season i gotta think what i said was previously the best episode of the season <laughs> uh maybe it's possible maybe okay i liked it we'll, we'll go back uh, and- i think maybe i think maybe i like the bo-katan one a little better I mm. think that was the the one with the night owls. I think might be my favorite, but this is probably two. Yeah, and frog lady. Yeah, you you really love frog lady. I know. Yeah, frog lady. Yeah, I liked the Ahsoka episode. I just I had nits with it too, so it's hard to pick that one. Yep. Josh, best episode so far. I I think so. I think just in the episode was entertaining and was actually a, a real like a pretty big surprise like. I was uh, like Bo-Katan showing up was a surprise still, but uh, you know, we knew we kind of knew it was going to happen. I, mm-hmm. um, but they, they just, they did so much to kind of right wrongs in my, in my mind. And, and I felt like it, this was a love letter to the expanded universe fans between, you know, him uh, becoming the guy that we knew he's been having his like hallway scene like Vader and then also like yeah. with the dark troopers and Tython and like there's yeah the they just pulled so much stuff from the EU for this one that I I think I have to make say this one's number one yeah yeah good call good call so let's um and w- when we get to the end of the season we'll look back on all these episodes and kind of go yeah this was our favorite or this was our least favorite but so far every one of these episodes has just been outstanding and they just bangers they're all bangers yeah. yeah um so let's talk a little bit about next week we're clearly getting into the last two episodes what do you guys foresee uh, on the horizon for our heroes in the next two episodes the return of fan favorite Dr. Pershing. We're going to see him on screen again live <laughs> and in action. I think that's a, a sa- very safe prediction. Yes. Josh, what I, about you? Didn't, you didn't say it had to be unrealistic. You that's just said true. what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> very uh, true, Kyle. Very true. I think, no, I think that's spot on. But I uh, I have a question for you guys. So I was thinking about this um, like the last couple of days and I'm having a, like, I feel like this season of the Mandalorian has basically like ticked off every, almost everything I could think of on my like star Wars wish list. Like Boba Fett's a Mandalorian. Boba Fett is alive. Ahsoka in live action. Bo-Katan mm-hmm. in live action. I'm counting grand Admiral Thrawn in live action because I feel like it's coming. Because he was I'm mentioned. Mentioning. Yeah. Like yeah. what is left? What it like, what is uh, I'm, I, 
are the using Vaughn going to show up like in the next episode? Because if I feel like if that happened, I don't know what else Ooh. I could ask for them to right. pull back. That wouldn't obviously like complete. Like he obviously can't bring Jaina Solo back because she's you know it, she can't exist in the current story. But like are, what what is left on your Star Wars uh, wish list to be completed by Filoni and Favreau? Um. That's a good question, Josh. So I I did read one thing that did bring up a good point that technically Mara Jade could exist in this universe. That would be one, because if you're bringing in dark troopers and we're talking about cloning, she was essentially the right-hand man of the emperor, right? For a brief period of time there? Yeah, I mean, I think she was like lead emperor's emperor's hand, hand, right? Wasn't that his... So, technically, in this universe, Mara Jade could exist somewhere. Now, you can't obviously write the same story that you did in the expanded universe, but you could bring that character in and make them new again and go a different route with it. But that would be one, uh, I think, and and I think Maggie would probably agree with me on that one, that she would love to see that character um, f- uh, you know, anything that goes back for me, anything that's like Sith lore. Yeah. Uh, I would love some of the old Sith lore back in there. Um, Bane, uh, anything from references to old Republic. If you're getting into, um, Malik, uh, anything like that. So the old Sith stuff I would love to see. I don't know that they will dive too much into that in the Mandalorian show, but is that an opportunity to maybe set up to your point, Josh, like Grand Admiral Thrawn here for something in the future? Yes, I, I think that would be big on my wish list. Kyle, what about you? I I don't have any like EU ideas, but I would love to see a live action Sabine. Yeah. Um I'd like mm. I'd like to see what uh Hera Sindula and Zeb are up to. You know, I know Zeb went to uh, be with his people on the on the secret Lasan two or whatever they called that with uh, Hot Callus, but I I mean maybe maybe they're question. retired maybe they're retired on their like happy cottage there. But um, what is the what is the Ghost Crew up to? What's um, mm-hmm. Ezra Bridger up to? I'd like to see um, any of those guys in live action or even just like kind of an update on on where they're at these days would be interesting to me. And I think Sabine Wren makes perfect sense. She's wielded the dark saber before she is from a extremely important Mandalorian house. Um, at this point, she could be maybe the only member or the, the senior member, let's say, I don't know if, if, uh, her mom, Ursa or her dad are still around. Uh, they may be too, but, uh, that that would be probably my top one would be Sabine. I really like yeah. Sabine. I think it would be criminal to bring Bo-Katan, Ahsoka, and Thrawn into live action on a show about the Mandal about Mandalorians and not have Sabine yeah. run in here somewhere. Agreed. I agree. Um, yeah. I hope it happens. Um, I'd love to see Tia Sarkar do it, um, but I don't know if that's realistic or not. Yeah. So Kyle, who is your Who's playing your live action hot callus? Uh, hot cal, God, you see, you guys throw <laughs> these things at me, and like, I know if I thought about this, I could come up with an awesome answer. Uh, hot callus, Hugh Jackson, uh, I, I, facial hair. Oh, that's like the a little too short, it's, it's, but they could make it work. 
Ryan uh, Reynolds. Oh, Ryan Reynolds. He's maybe. He, I don't know that he's, he's got a the serious, too, yeah, the serious backbone for Callus. But Hot Callus is a little more relaxed than yeah. than M- Empire Callus. Well, uh, well, we'll give you so, we'll give you some time to think about it, Kyle. By Friday, I want to know who your <laughs> who your live action hot callus yeah, is. Who's the your who's homework. the guy? I, who's the actor who? Um, he's the, like the main. He's Ray Donovan, but he also played Sabretooth. Oh yeah, the, yeah. He kind of looks oh, like him. Um, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I know. I can't remember about. his name. Of, well, he's Ray Donovan in the in. He's the titular yes. Ray Donovan in the yes. show. Ray Donovan. Uh, uh, it, but I think I think he could be a hot callus, maybe. Yeah. Okay. By Friday, give me a good, give me a good live I'll, action. I'll, I'll put some, for the, some uh, more Razor thought Christ into it. And I'll show. come up with so, a- uh, I I don't have any crazy predictions. You're right, Doctor Pershing. I think we'll get more of more Dark Troopers. I'm hoping. I think in the next two episodes, we're going to get one more surprise addition to the team. I don't I, know why. I, I feel f- like there's one more coming that we don't know about that's going to show up out of the blue and help the crew i don't know why that's my take it's probably wrong but i'm gonna go on a limb and do a crazy tinfoil hat prediction this it's a huge reach and i have i have zero expectation that it would ever happen but to ever happen on this show but to z to see uh zebarelius captain gareth zebarelius in live action would be so i mean think about how cool cool. chewbacca looks but then make him purple put some clothes on him he speaks english or basic uh he has a sweet bow like bow rifle uh Mm -hmm. i I think that would he's purple i mean for christ's sake i think that would look awesome we don't get like big furry creatures all the time enough in star wars i think he would be we need live action zeb and live action hot callus to the rescue I love. I mean, what I'm, a team! I'm in. What I'm a in. team! Like, the yeah. people are, the people are screaming for more hot callus and Garza Borelius content. <laughs> agreed, agreed. Uh, but we at the Star Wars friends, hey, I would love to hear your take on who you feel is the who you feel should play a live action hot callus. So, if you get a chance, hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, wherever you want. Uh, we'll throw it up there on Twitter. See who you, who the takes are. Uh, for the hot for the live action hot callus and uh, see what people come up with. But uh, if that's if that's all we got and that's our predictions for next week, uh, why don't we blow this thing and get out of here, guys? Let's do it. We're all clear. Let's do it. All right. You're all clear, kid. Now let's blow this thing and go home. Got a really good feeling about this. Um, just a final thought. I know we're getting closer to the holidays here. We are roughly, what, 17 days away, I think, from Christmas. Um, if you have not finished your shopping yet, um, dude, get out there. If you're looking for the perfect thing for a Star Wars fan, there are plenty of small businesses out there on Etsy on that have their own pages. 
Um, we drop their names all the time on this show. Um, there are tons of Star Wars makers out there that have interesting gifts for the Star Wars fan uh, in your family or in your life. Um, we you know, are good friends at Rebel Art Empire. Uh, speaking of which, I'm waiting on that Thrawn pin drop. Uh, could we get some insider information, please? <laughs> uh, Luminous Beings Limited, uh, Samoil of Art, Ryloth Relics, uh, Waltz Trooper Factory, if you're looking to get into 501st stuff. Uh, Tano Alive, uh, Rebel Art Un- Underground. Dawn. Yep, Padawan Pins, Fulcrum Dawn. There's so many others out there that uh, do great work. They put out great products. Um, we have them all the time. We talk about them all the time on the show. Uh, if you can, get out there, support small businesses, find the perfect Star Wars gift for your family or friends, uh, and you kill two birds with one stone, and it's awesome. Everybody wins. Yeah, Star Wars or not, support small businesses anytime you can, especially in the holiday season, especially in 2020. Just, it's a good thing. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and then just make sure you guys stay safe, right? Wear a mask, stay healthy, eat right, sleep right, uh, do the things that you got to do to keep yourselves healthy and Drink enough and water, people. Yes, lots Take of care water. Of uh, tea? Not not the same tea that Chris drinks, because that stuff will get you into... Oof, oof. Swamp water. Uh, not the swamp water, the pond water, yeah. Um, you can catch us every Friday night for Razor Crest Reacts at 730. Be there, be square. Yep, uh, it's a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun this past Friday night. Um, Josh was killing us with the pictures. Uh, it was highly entertaining. Um, we do it every Friday night, 730. Um, you can also email us uh, at show at starwarsfriends.com. Uh, we do this show every week. So if you've got a hot take or if you've got predictions, send them in to us via email. You can also hit us up on uh, Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Star SW Friends Show on any one of those social media platforms. Uh, I am Justin. You can find me on Twitter at I am the Bendu. Where can they find you guys at? This is Josh, and you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Battle of Tanab. Little this is kind of, y'all. Oh, the little maneuvers. I, I I hate to bring that up because it just makes me jealous that I don't have a sweet <laughs> hip hop name. But uh, this is Kyle, and I am KB underscore Legend on whatever social media, probably. We love getting on here and talking Star Wars for you guys every week, and we love having you guys on the Razor Request React Show on Friday night. So please come join us. Grab your favorite drink. Only even two left. Don't miss out. Only two left. Uh, even if it's pond water, bring it with you. Uh, you know, you can drink that. Just put it in a can koozie. We won't even know. We won't even talk about it. But come join us. Uh, have some fun talking about Star Wars. We love you guys. And we're going to end this in classic, classic fashion as we do always. May the Force be with you. Always. Always. Bye. Hey friends, don't forget to subscribe to the Star Wars Friends podcast and leave an awesome review on whichever podcast app you're listening on. Catch up on past episodes, fun interviews, and more at StarWarsFriends.com. Connect with the Star Wars Friends on social media at SW Friends Show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Email the show at show at StarWarsFriends.com. Thanks for listening, and as always, may the Force be with you.